0: How we doing church? Doing good? Great. You look great. Grab your Bibles if you got them. I hope you do. If not, there's a free one uh, right in front of you. That's our gift to you. Feel free to take that home. If you've got seven of our gifts, please bring back six and keep yours. Uh, if you'd like a nicer one with somebody else's name engraved on it, just check our lost and found because uh, when you leave your sunglasses, you immediately turn around. When you leave your Bible, you're like, eh, whatever, we'll get another one. So we have those back there. Hey, welcome to the Church of 1122. So glad that you were here we're in our fifth week, I think, of Ancient Future, where we're studying this, um, this very famous scripture in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, Turn there, if you will. Uh, a lawyer comes up to Jesus in the New Testament and says, hey, what's the greatest commandment of all, of all the 600 plus commandments in the Old Testament, what's the greatest one? And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. He wrote, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And so that's what we've talked about for the last bunch of weeks. And where we are now is in the Shema, it begins to shift to our relationship with God, to the kind of faith legacy that we're going to leave. And I want to read for you one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. It's a few pages over to your right in Judges chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says, and all that generation also were gathered near their fathers. That means that they all died. And the generation they're talking about is the generation out of the book of Joshua, so some pretty awesome stuff happened in Joshua, like the Battle of Jericho, and they crossed the Cross of Jordan, and all these amazing things, and so that generation dies, and here's the saddest verse, I think, in the whole Bible, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or the work that he had done for Israel, that in one generation it went from a generation of faith-filled champions for the Lord to a generation that did not know the Lord. Or know what he had done. And that's why Moses encourages us in the Shema to pass on our faith to the upcoming generation. And so, as I got to this text in the Shema about passing on our faith and raising kids, I thought, you know what? I'm not really an expert in this. I have a nine year old and a six year old, so up to nine, I'm pretty good. If you want to ask me what to do, I'm with you. But what do you do beyond that? So, I began to pray and ask God, Lord, who should we talk to? Who should we have come and share with us who is a real expert? on raising kids that actually love Jesus. And I thought there, there's no better person that I know than my pastor. And so today you guys get the opportunity, the incredible privilege to hear from my pastor. And, and here's something that I also know. I know you guys have heard me talk a lot about Pastor Jerry, my pastor, the, the pastor at Beach Church. Um, but since we launched out of Beach, we've more than quadrupled in size as a church. And so many of you may not know him. And so um, I've worked for Pastor Jerry, i worked for him for about a decade, Gretchen and I moved here in 2003 to, for me to be the student pastor at Beach United Methodist Church, and what many of you may not know is that in 03 when we moved here, we were about this close from stepping away from ministry. It was just a rough ministry season where we were, and I honestly got to the point where I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't have what it takes to be in ministry, it was a good run, it was a good season, but my, maybe my days are over. And so Gretchen said, why don't we, why don't we give it one more try? And so we started applying to places all over the country, and I said, hey, let's go, let's go uh, apply at Beach United Methodist, and she's like, we're not even Methodist, why would we do that? And I was like, it's at the beach, all right, so <laughs> God works everywhere, might as well check out the beach, all right, and so, and literally, I told her, this is what I told her, this is how terrible I am, I said, babe, it'll be like a timeshare thing, okay, I we'll go to one interview, but we'll get like three days in an oceanfront room, and so it'll be, that's how youth pastors do vacation, because we we'll don't have money, and so... That's what we did. We came here, and that was about our expectation, and after our first interview and meeting Pastor Jerry and his family, we knew, we knew that God was calling us to make disciples here in Jacksonville, and then I had the incredible privilege of working under the authority and the leadership of Pastor Jerry Sweat. He, he was a mentor to me in ministry, but not only that, and a, a shining example of what a godly husband and a godly dad looks like, and so... Church of 1122, would you rise to your feet and welcome to the stage my pastor, Pastor Jerry Sweat. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, I just want to let you know it is, it's my honor and my privilege to be asked to come and, and preach at the Church of 1122. Uh, Joby and I just spent about three and a half days this week in Los Angeles, and uh, one of the, the opportunities I had was to be able to join Joby on stage to share a little bit about the unique story between Beach and the Church of 1122. And uh, I wanted you to hear this, something that I said at the conference about your pastor, and about how much uh, what God is doing in his life means to me. Um, there's a quote by Andy Stanley that says something like this Your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be in what you do, but in who you raise. And uh, for me, in 31 years of full time ministry, I think uh, there is, I've had a lot of great things that God has done in and through my ministry. But nothing quite matches uh, the opportunity that I have had over the last eight or ten years to be a part of Joby's life and then to have the unique opportunity to pass the baton off to him to go and pursue his calling to be a lead pastor. And, uh, and I know at the time he was looking at youth ministry and all that, but, I mean, God had a call in his life. He just didn't know it. At the time, but it was, um, it's great to see what God is doing through this young man's life. And I call him young because he's still younger than me. And uh, what God is doing in this church is just, we had no idea when we did this, you know, just what a tremendous work God would do. And uh, I mean, come on. I mean, this is an old Walmart. Now the third fastest growing church in America. Guys, that is not just church that's not just church. This is a movement of God and, and I hope that you are just so grateful for your your pastor, your staff, and what God is doing in and through you in this church. You are leaders in this community, and I'm just so grateful and I couldn't be more proud to see what you guys are doing for God and for the kingdom so Thank you, and keep, keep at it, because uh, you're doing a great job. Now, I wanted to introduce you to my family. Uh, they are here via slides today, so uh, you get to see them. First of all, is my wife. This is my wife. My wife is Denise. She is the love of my life. She is my partner in ministry, and uh, probably one of the most important things for today, uh, besides Jesus, she is the champion of parenting in the sweat home. Um, and so that's her. She works with First Coast Women's Services, of which many of you are, are served there. She works as the director of volunteers through that ministry. Uh, my son Ryan is my oldest. Ryan just got married to Karen back in May. And uh, she was like the perfect, the perfect woman for my son. I mean, she shoots straight with him. And he needed someone like that in his life. Uh, he is also the student pastor at Beach Church, where, where I serve, and uh, is doing a fantastic job and is actually preaching for me while I'm here this morning, so I'm real proud of him. Uh, my middle child is Ashley. Ashley is a mental health therapist, and uh, she graduated from U- University of North Florida. She is currently working with uh, Children's Home Society. She is an adoptions therapist. And so she is working with families, adopting foster care children, and uh, very proud of her. She also helps lead worship uh, at Beach almost every weekend. She's a part of our worship team. And then Lindsay, my my baby, Lindsay is uh, an online student uh, with FSU. Go Knowles. Yeah, and she is pursuing her dream in Nashville. She is a legit songwriter. Um, she's made enough from royalties, from music, to actually pay for her entire education. So that's pretty legit, right? So anyway, I'm very, very proud of what she's doing and the contributions she's making as well to the kingdom. So in the scripture lesson today, Moses comes to the frontier of the new land, the promised land. And as he looks out over the people, this is a moment of This is a significant moment because Moses realizes we've been here before. Forty years previous, adult leaders within the the, the people of Israel had made some decisions to not trust God who had said, I am giving you this land. And they chose to not trust him in that moment. And their decisions negatively impacted a following generation for 40 years years. And so when Moses comes to this place, he knows that the word that God gives him to deliver to the people is absolutely of vital significance. And he reminds us of two very important things in these verses. And the first one is what you've been what you've been studying over the last few weeks. And that is your relationship to the Lord is the most important thing in your life to love him with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he's going to talk about this second most significant thing when he talks about the importance of passing along your faith to those who follow after you. And so I want to read the scripture to you once more from Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. on your gates would you pray with me father it is our prayer that all of your sons and daughters may come home to the perfect love of their heavenly father through jesus and so we pray today lord that as you have poured such incredible blessings into our hearts and lives that you have saved us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, we would consider the absolute significance of our lives and the importance of passing along a legacy of faith to the next generation. And we thank you that you are here to guide us and to empower us and lead us to do so. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right. So I want to give you some words today that if we were to embrace this very simple phrase in our lives every day, if we were to truly believe and embrace these words in our attitudes, in our relationships, in our perspective on life, God would take you and me places and our churches places that we never even dreamed possible. Four simple words. It's not about me. It's not about me. In fact, I think it's kind of hard to say sometimes, you know, right? So let's just all say it together one time. You ready to join me? It's not about me, right? And here's why. You you know what your resume is? Dead in sins. And through Jesus, we have been made alive. You see, our resume is that we were once Enemies of God. Orphans. But because of Jesus, we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, in our open rebellion, entered into this dark world through Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross for you and for me that we might have an inheritance, that we might have a future and a hope and the forgiveness of our sins, and the promise of eternity. And so we've been given everything. And so as a part of, of a response to a God who has poured out everything for us, the only fitting response is that we would not allow our lives to be a dead-end street to the good news of Jesus Christ that the gospel and the love of Jesus would pass through our lives into the hearts and lives of those who follow us. And I was thinking about this this morning. Do you you realize that that most people wind up surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ? It's like over 80% during the first 18 years of their lives. And so while we might get caught up with all the, you know, the parenting and paying the bills and cooking the meals and getting them to school and getting them education, all those things are important. The significance of this small season of life, you and I have been entrusted with God with a huge opportunity that changes the trajectory of the lives of those who follow behind us. And so that's what this passage is all about today. You see, what the, ne- what the new generation needs who follows behind us is not an inheritance, but a legacy. Not that we would leave something for them, but that we would leave something in them. And so, before we, we jump into what Deuteronomy 6 says, let me just give you one very, very important thing about parenting, about leaving a legacy, and that is this. Parenting is lived out at the foot of the cross. Parenting is lived out at the foot of the cross. You see, I'm no expert on parenting. You can get behind the scenes and look behind the curtain of my life, and believe me, I've had struggles, I've had challenges. More times than I cared to admit, I felt like a failure. I remember the very first time I changed a diaper. Okay, you know, like Parenting 101, a diaper, my first diaper, changing table. My wife's on one side, my mother-in-law's on the other side, and I'm trying to do this thing and get it all just right. And, you know, babies are like, you know, they're just like flailing everywhere, and there's junk all over the place. And I'm just totally beside myself. And my mother-in-law and my wife are laughing at me. And I literally, no lie, I literally just stopped and walked away and said, I'm never gonna do this again. And of course, 50 million diapers later, right? But I was I remembered thinking that day, I can't even change a diaper. God, how in the world could you entrust me to shape a life? And so I want you to hear me as, as parents today, those of you that are parents, those of you hope one day to be parents. Uh, those of you who may have already done the parenting thing, you never finished parenting, right? But uh, maybe you have the opportunity as grandparents. Regardless of where you are today, I want this to be a word of encouragement to you because we all face a challenge that is far bigger than any single one of us. And so I pray that these words today will be helpful to you as we seek to leave a legacy, a lasting legacy of faith in the hearts and lives of those who come behind us. Now, this is one of those things where not only do you not have an education on how to do this, some of us start in, in a very bad place from the beginning because maybe you grew up in a very dysfunctional home and you never saw maybe you know, this perfect or, or even a good picture of what a father looks like, what a mother looks like, what a healthy marriage looks like. And so you feel like you're already starting with some craziness, right? And all of a sudden, your house begins to look a whole lot like that dysfunctional house you grew up in. And so that can be a challenge. And then when you look to Scripture, there's not a whole lot to go on here when it comes to finding the perfect parenting model, right? I mean, if you look at the very first two parents, Adam and Eve, they they gave birth to two sons and, and These were parents that walked with God in the garden, literally walked with him. And one of their boys killed his brother. And then you go to someone like a King David, because the Bible says of King David that he was a man after God's own heart. You think, surely King David knew how to do this thing, Right? Do you know that there are things that happen among King David's children that I can't even mention to you in church? And then, of course, if you fast forward to Jesus and his family, I mean, Mother Mary, come on, Mother Mary, Joseph, surely they got it right. And yet I love, I take great joy to know that in the Bible, Jesus' parents left him at a religious festival and traveled a whole day before they're like, "Uh uh-oh, Where's Jesus? Ain't I seen Jesus? And it's like three days before they get back to Jesus. And then he's like, oh, I'm doing my father's business. You know, it's like, so I love that picture. But, but when you're trying to grasp for, for some strong image, you just don't find it. Because you see, I believe that, that parenting is one of the things in life that you and I will do That will bring us to our knees. And that's where God does His best work. So if you're desperate today as a parent, or you feel like your life is total chaos as you're trying to do this and you're struggling and you're trying to figure all this out, you are in perfect company because we're all there. We're all there. You see, the truth is, you're a mess and you're married to a mess. And you're going to give birth to little messes who are going to grow up to be big messes who are going to give birth to grand messes. Because that's the reality of your life and of mine. See, the truth is, you will never be a perfect parent. But you can be an authentic parent who humbly is seeking to love Jesus and seeking to follow Him and depend upon Him daily to help you to, be, to leave a legacy of faith. So here, here are four lessons from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, the first you might want to write down in your notes is this. Make your faith a priority. Make your faith a priority. Moses puts it this way. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Your heart. See, parents, our children have a front row seat To your life and mine. And the truth about it is that they're not always great listeners, but they make phenomenal imitators. They see things. And you can do all you want to show up here on Sunday morning and act like you're all that when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. But what happens the minute you drive off this campus? What happens in your home? What happens when you're on the phone with that uh, that jerk of a boss that you're working for? What happens when you're dealing with your daily perspective and your children are seeing the whole thing? How does your faith impact the way you deal with people? When your children are, are onlookers to your life, do they see generosity as God has been generous to you? Do they see a lifestyle of generosity? When your children look at your lives and mine, do they see people who are genuinely seeking to serve just like Jesus served? Are our lives pictures of grace to those who have blown it? In fact, whenever you do something really dumb as a parent, do you, do you ask forgiveness or are you just kind of like, I'm a parent, so I don't need to forgive, be forgiven of anything. You know, how does Jesus impact the way you live your life? If, if our kids don't see it in the regular stuff of living that it impacts us, what makes us think they would want anything that we have? Uh, I remember one time my son Ryan was uh, playing with a lighter. And uh, it was just like, you know those things happen, just like a second, right? You turn your back a second as a parent. And uh, he, he actually had a tissue paper, and he lit the tissue paper, and it's highly flammable if you've never tried it. And it just went, it just lit up, and he just dropped it instinctively right on the carpet. And it burned a hole in the carpet. My wife lost her mind that night. She was so angry and beside her stealth. Things just started rolling out of her mouth. I was like, whoa, wow. I mean, she, it was like this tornado that happened right there in our living room. And everybody's just like backing up. And then it moves from intense anger to tears. And then from tears to grabbing the keys and walking out the door. And the kids are looking at me like, is she coming back? Is she gone for good? I mean, what is this all about? I didn't know what to do. Should I call the police? Should I just kind of sleep on the couch? Because I thought, man, I think I'm in trouble. I don't know about Ryan, but I think I'm in trouble because there was a lot of heat going on in this room. Well, she eventually came back home. and, And just to tell you that much of the story, you're thinking, well, been there, done that. Something's happened in your parenting where you've said some things, you've done some things, and it's not your proudest moment as a parent. And so what happened the next day, though, was significant in our family. The next day, Denise went to Ryan's school, checked him out of class, met him in the hallway, and she apologized for the way she had acted. Now, he was still in trouble, right? You burn a hole in the carpet, you're still in trouble. But she, she apologized for the way she had handled that. And then she hugged him and she said, I will always love you no matter what. And then he went back to his class. I'm going to tell you, we could have done 500 Bible studies as a family, but none of them more significant and impactful on the life of a young son than that. Authentically and humbly just seeking to live out your relationship with Jesus in your family life. <laughs> do you know that um, all of my kids today, all of my grown-up kids today, are um, they all do a quiet time, which I just love the fact that they, they want to spend some time in God's Word every day. And I love that. But you know what? Not one time in all of their time growing up I know you're going to think it's super unspiritual of me as a preacher, but not one time did we tell them to do a quiet time. They just simply saw that we did quiet time and that it impacted their lives. They figured if somehow if if my parents need Jesus and need the Word on a daily basis, there must be something that I need as well. So make your personal faith a priority. Kind of like with the, the flight attendants tell you to always take the oxygen mask if there's a drop in pressure. You've know, you got to take it first or you, can't, you, you won't be conscious to give it to your children. Well, In the same way, if it's not in you, how can we ever expect it to be in them? So make your relationship with Jesus absolutely vital. And I've seen it more times than not. That authentic, genuine kind of living out of your faith will make a huge difference in the hearts and lives of your children. The second truth that we get from this, uh, Moses says, teach these words diligently to your children. So I put in my notes this. Most children don't drift into a strong faith. So parent faith with intentionality. See, your children will no more drift into becoming disciples of Jesus than you will drift into becoming a marathon runner, right? Doesn't just happen like that. You got to make a plan, and then you got to work the plan. You see, I'm convinced that, that some of us have plans for junior in utero to go to a certain college or to make the A.B. honor roll. Or to be on the traveling all star baseball team, but we have no plan for them to fall in love with Jesus. Now, you and I would know we don't make them do that, but we can provide the environment from which young hearts draw close to the love of Jesus. And so the Bible gives us the impression from these words of, of Moses that, that we are to diligently pursue. Um, our children in this whole idea of of a faith, that we have to have a plan. I remember as a young father working at a church where um, pretty much I was practicing ministry in a highly dysfunctional way. So I was in this small church, and basically I was just doing everything, you know, Bible studies, I was leading serve ministries, I was just, I was doing it all. You know, we didn't have a lot of money to to hire staff, and I was basically just doing it, you know. And so they were perfectly content to sit back and watch me just do the ministry. And slowly but surely, my ministry, my job was becoming my mistress. And I was slowly but surely becoming a disengaged father to my children. And I'll never forget one one time on a vacation, I was staying. We were staying in this hotel, and uh, I was sitting in the hotel lobby doing my quiet time. And I noticed this older guy come and sit on the other side of the lobby, and he had his Bible, and he was doing quiet time as well. And then a few minutes later, there was this young. She looked to be about like a college age girl. Come down the stairs in her pajamas with her Bible, got herself some coffee, came over, hugged the older man. And, and I say he was older. He was about my age now. But, you know, he seemed to be an old man at that time. And um, they just they laughed and they giggled and they hugged and, and they drank their coffee and they sat there side by side and did their quiet time. And all of a sudden it was like God spoke right into my heart and, said, and, and I realized that was what I wanted for my future family. And I knew I was headed down the wrong road that would never get me there. So when I went home, I just decided, God, I don't know how to do this, but i got to reengage as a dad before it's too late. And so we just began to do some things differently in our house. And so I just want to give you a few of things that we did. First of all, we just, I just made a priority to give my children and my wife, too, time and attention, time and attention. You see, sometimes we oftentimes say that um, in parenting, that all we need to do is give our children uh, quality time. And I think that's a statement for a busy culture. Because it allows us to kind of just simply say, if I can dip in every once in a while, everything will be okay. But you and I know that true valuing of a relationship comes not just with quality time, but with quantity time. So very, very important. And so we tried to to make sure that in every area of our lives, we were just there for all the important times in the lives of our children. Open houses, recitals, rehearsals, uh, ball games, practices, I even... For, for quite a few years of my children growing up, I coached. Uh, we took regular family vacations, and um, we always ate dinner together. Now, I mean, we didn't always, obviously, but most of the time that we could possibly pull it off, we arranged our calendars to where we, as a family, could sit down together at night for dinner. And that was one of the most important times of the day where our children just would, would open up and begin to share, and we'd laugh. We'd have a great time. And uh, there's something about food and community, right? And so that, that was a big deal for us. But one of, one of my favorite things that happened for me as a father is I decided I've got to make some, some time for me with the kids. And so I just started taking off, arranging my calendar so I could get off early on Thursdays. And uh, I would pick up the kids from school, and take them to the BK Lounge. And uh, have you never heard of that? That's Burger King. And we would um, we would enjoy... I couldn't even afford it at the time. I was a poor preacher. I couldn't even afford to buy on, like a real snack meal or whatever. So we got one large fry and one large Coke. And we'd sit there at the table and eat, and they'd unpack their day and talk about their day and then go off and play for a little bit and come back, and we'd talk some more. And... Um, Do you know to this day, as as a parent with older kids now, when you look back and you remember, when my kids talk about their favorite memories growing up, it wasn't about the Disney World's. One of my kids' favorite memories is, Dad, remember you used to take us to Burger King? And they still remember. We only got one fry and one drink. But I think we should never underestimate the value of our presence and our emotional engagement with our children on a daily basis. It conveys the grace and the love of Jesus Christ in their lives, and it shows them the value that they have in our lives. Another thing we did as a family is that we just simply sought to make memories. To make memories. My wife taught me this. She grew up in a very healthy home, and and she was always good about helping us celebrate and and find ways to make memories. So one night I'm watching a football game, and I'm like, this is it. Great football game. I'm watching TV. My wife comes passing through. Under both arms are Blankets. And she says, Jerry, do you realize it is a beautiful evening outside, not a cloud in the sky, and let's take the blankets, go out with the kids, lay on the trampoline, and look at the stars. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I got a football game. This is most important. And then, but I didn't say any of that, right? I'm just like, yes, ma'am. So we went out, and we got the blankets, and we laid out on the trampoline, To this day, I don't remember a single football game that I ever watched as a parent when my kids were growing up. But I will never forget, and I remember to this day, the night we went out on the trampoline and looked up at the stars. How are you making memories with your kids? I remember we lived in a small town at one point, and the Taco Bell went from their regular hours to 24 hours Taco Bell. And we got the kids up one night and took them in their pajamas to Taco Bell in the middle of the night. And they remember it to this day. Just memories that we make that says we're family. There's something special about these relationships together. Make memories. And then the final thing is just that for us, we wanted to make our house the house where friends would hang out. And I know it's very tempting to do the very opposite, right? When you're just making meals and getting kids' places and your schedule's like crazy, when, when they, you know, to get them to go over to someone else's house, it's like, oh, a, a, a moment to, to rest. But, but we kind of sought to do the very opposite. And I want to tell you, I had some kids, especially as they got older into teenage years, who ate me out of house and home. And our house was never maybe perfectly manicured like, like, but because there was always kids hanging out and throwing pillows everywhere. And, but through those years, we were able to create this kind of environment of love and, and laughter and fun and shared experiences together. to to which I believe we were able to make an impact. There are a lot of kids in my church today that are like my adopted kids. I mean, they're still in our lives, and, and I really believed I helped raise them to a certain degree. But it also gave my wife and I a front row seat as to the social circles in which our kids were hanging out with friends, and that's an important thing to know as a parent. And so those are just some things we did to really make sure... That, um, that we were, in a, in a very important way, that we were being intentional about the way we were raising our kids in the faith. The next thing that I think Moses focuses on in this passage is that um, faith is a lifestyle, not one hour on Sunday. Here's how he says it. He says, talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Translation, all the time. Because, right, you're either in your house or you're going somewhere. So Moses is saying, basically, all the time, bring faith into the conversation. Not only that, when you lie down and when you rise, in other words, at the start of every day and at the end of every day, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. Now, this doesn't mean that we're to go out and buy all of our kids, you know, Christian T-shirts and, you know, put pictures of Jesus all over our houses. That would be weird, right? But what he did mean was in every area of life, how are you finding ways in the regular rhythms of your life to help your children understand the importance of a relationship with God? So... Here's how I put it, and I think this is so very important. If God is a stranger in your home, in the regular rhythms, the daily rhythms of your lives, He will be a stranger to your children. I think you got it. Let me check over here. Did you get that? If God is a stranger, i won't say it again, you know. If God is a stranger in your home, in the daily rhythms of your life, He will be a stranger to your children. And so Moses is trying to help the people see in every aspect of life, how do you you bring faith and a relationship with the Lord into the conversation? So we just made it a point that that God was a part of everyday life, not something that, you know, we just come on Sunday because, you know, and, and I applaud you parents for getting your kids here on Sunday because there are a lot of friends and neighbors that are sleeping, right? And they're just at home and you're here and you've got your kids here and I applaud you for that. But, but faith will not be communicated as a legacy if it's just this one hour on Sunday. How is God becoming a part of your everyday life? So one of the things we did is we always prayed before meals. Always. And I always wonder, why, why do we pray when we're at home, but we don't pray when we go to restaurants? And we just, every time, we're just like, are we thankful when we get to buy? I'm more thankful when I get to go out to eat, right? You got a little money to buy something. But in every time, we, just sit, we were just communicating to our kids, it's important to be grateful for what God's given you. And so that was a regular rhythm, right? And then another thing that was probably my favorite time to parent, and I probably did more good for my children at bedtime than at any other time, and so every night that was kind of my deal to put them in bed. And so, you know, I'd sit there in their beds with them, and they would just kind of begin to talk about their day a little bit more. And and uh, I would always, um, I got a little reader's Bible when they were kids, a little young reader's Bible, and I would read them the story. And uh, then when they got old enough, they began to read me the story and tell me about the story. And then we would have prayer time. And this wouldn't be like prayer time before meals. I mean, they, they were like wanting to stay up late. So it's amazing how long their prayers got. And the longer their prayers got, the deeper they went into some things that, that you don't often pray about. And it was just an incredible opportunity as a father to begin to pour into their lives and, and to listen and to communicate the love of Christ in the lives of my children. But faith is a lifestyle. And it happens in the daily rhythms of your parenting. And then finally, you are the number one influence in your child's life, but you're not enough. You are the number one influence. There's nothing this church can do that you can do as parents. You have the most significant role of influence in your children's lives, but it is far more than you can handle. And that's what Moses was talking about when he said to the people notice he doesn't say, hear, O oh, parents. He says, hear, O oh, Israel. Because he wanted to remind the entire nation, the entire community of faith, it takes all of us working together to help raise up the next generation, this new generation to leave a legacy of faith in their hearts and their lives. Um, If you're a young parent, you're a parent that you've got kids like 10 years and younger, this is something you may not understand now. Right now, you are cool in in your kids' eyes. And you're smart, probably the smartest person in the world in your kids' eyes, and you're their hero. But mark my words, there will come a time where you will no longer be cool, you will no longer be smart, and you will no longer be their hero. And in that day, when they are drawn to whoever in this world will give them time and attention, On that day, you want to have people in your life, in your children's lives, who embrace the same values and believe God for the same things as you, speaking into your children's lives. And so that's why the importance of widening the circle of influence of adults in your children's lives I learned this in a in a significant way when one of my daughters was a teenager and she was struggling with some body image stuff and and uh, you know it was it was starting to border a little bit on you know eating eating food and all of that And, and it could have gone either way at that point and I knew nothing about it as a parent and neither did my wife and she usually knows everything but in that season. As a part of being in the life of the church, my daughter had a, a small group leader who was there for her. Because parents, there's something else you need to know. There'll be some things your, your kids just can't talk with you about. And they love you like crazy. There's some things they are just not going to be able to bring themselves to talk to you about. And, and that's okay as long as you know that there's someone else in their lives who will speak into their lives and offer love and support and and embrace Jesus like you do. And so this small group leader was a godsend in a critical hour of our family life. I know most of y'all only know Joby as your lead pastor here. but There was a time when he was a student pastor at Beach and, and was there for many, many years. He was there during... All of the years of my kids passing through um, their teenage years, some of the most challenging years, and Ryan Stone as well. And these two men had a significant impact on the lives of my children. And I'm going to tell you, they, they poured some things into my children that, that I, I might not have ever poured into them. And the importance is that we need the larger community of faith to be a part of this thing where we're together. We lead our sons and daughters back to the perfect love of a heavenly father. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that had it not been for some adults pouring into my life as a teenager, I'm not even sure I would be a Christian today. And I know I wouldn't be a pastor. I had people who believed in me, who were speaking into my life, especially at a time when my parents were not even active in a church. And I will forever be grateful for the people who didn't just kind of focus on the fact that the, the, the blessings had ended in their lives, but people who knew that their lives were conduits through which the love of Jesus would pass on to a new generation who followed behind. And so, I want to encourage you today. You've got an amazing church here. and You've got incredible children's and student ministries that are available to your children and your grandchildren. This church, Church of 1122, pours a significant amount of resources and time and energy into the raising up of this new generation. And they do it extremely well. Why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? And, and I want to encourage you, uh, because I think sometimes when we think about this, we, you know, you think the preacher's talking to all the parents in the room. But there's a far greater audience than just parents today. Some of you are like single college students or, you know, you're, you're not married or maybe you don't have kids or anything like that. And, and so you might be kind of just writing yourself out of this message. Can I tell you some of the most effective small group leaders in student ministry and children's ministry are college students and single young adults because you haven't lost your cool factor. The kids actually believe you're still pretty all that. And so don't discount yourself in the role you can play in a new generation following up in the life of this church. And those of you that are older, you might think, well, I'm already kind of done with my whole deal, the whole parenting thing. But here's the truth, you've got wisdom and you've got some maturity in your life and your walk of faith that a new generation needs. Probably the most popular small group leader in our student ministry is a guy named John who is in his middle 70s. And the boys just flock to be in his life group. Because he has such a powerful impact on young lives. So. We're all in this together. And we can impact. An entire generation following behind us. In this hour. It can be our finest hour. To lead our sons and daughters. Back to the love of a perfect heavenly father. Who fills every gap that you miss. As a parent, he does all things well, friends, and he can take not only, he can not only be a blessing in this moment in their lives, his promises are forever. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you in whatever place you're in, leave a legacy of faith. So we're going to finish like this. I want to invite everyone to stand. And uh, I want to give you a little bit of opportunity to respond here. And and, um, this is a time not to just kind of shut down and kind of like, okay, well, service is over. It's time to cut out early, get to the restaurant before anybody else does. This is like one of the most significant times in the whole service where you respond to what God has laid on your heart. You take... The next step, you put feet to your faith. So I don't know where you might be with this whole topic. For some of you, some of you are on active duty right now, right in the middle of the whole parenting deal. And you sometimes feel like you're a failure and you're struggling and there are things you just feel like, well, gosh, I just can't get this. And and so today I want to encourage you, what would it mean for you to come today and bring any of your family, your children, if you have a spouse here with you, come and just pray over them. Some of them have never had one of their parents pray over them. We, we call this at beach. We call it awkward worship time. And it's a time where you move out of your comfort zone to take a step of faith that you're not comfortable with that could actually be one of the most significant steps you've ever taken. So I encourage some of you parents, if you have children here, come up here with them. Come to the altar. Pray over them. For some of you, maybe you're in a very difficult situation right now. In fact, your, your child or your teenager might not even be here because it's that bad right now in your home. And So for maybe you just come up here today and you, you pray for your relationship with that child. And, um, and you begin to pray God I may not be able to change some things on their heart, but what can I do? Change my heart so that I can know how to, how to parent them through this difficult time. For some of you, you might want to come and pray um, for a future family. You're not there yet, but, but you want a family one day, and you can just come and pray for, for a future family. And for some of you, maybe you've already done the active parenting thing. And I've talked with people who have said, you know, I really messed it up with my kids, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back in the game as a grandparent. And so maybe today you just want to come and, and pray about your grandchildren. Um, pray about where you are today in your walk of faith and how God can help you take steps of faith to minister to a new generation. And then some of you who, who you're saying, well, I'm not a parent. I don't have anything to do with this. I'm older. So I'm kind of out of the picture. I want to challenge you. Just come up and pray over a family that's up here. You don't even have to know them. Just come and place your hand on the shoulder of a father or a mother and just pray over that family. Because I remember the words of Nehemiah who said to the people, remember your God who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your sons and your daughters. And some of you just need to step up here and stand in the gap for families you might not even know Because I guarantee you they need your prayers. And you just come up here and pray for families. But let's allow God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to work in and through our hearts and lives as we respond to him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are our perfect Heavenly Father. And Father, if there's anyone here who has never surrendered their lives to Jesus, I pray, Lord that they would take that step, the most important step of all in this time. And I pray, Lord, for a lot of parents and grandparents and parents-to-be and families that are just, who have their hearts focused on wanting to leave a legacy of faith. So we pray in this time, Lord, you would birth restoration of families, that you would birth new possibilities, new futures. And Father, we'd see a whole generation influence to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.